Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We record this podcast on Friday afternoon, evening. Uh, little little podcast magic we're going to uh, perform here. We actually already recorded the next segment with Athlon and ESPN Radio's own Braden Gall. It was... It was a fun little segment. I got to say, I learned a lot, and I, I, I'm just going to do this off the cuff. If I can change, you can change. <laughs> we can all change. <laughs> and what Kurt is referencing is that uh, sometimes two people, maybe even three podcasters from different worlds, uh, can have a conversation, and you come away with a little bit different perspective. I think we that's what happened in our what was it, hour 15? It was like an hour and 15. Okay. I mean, it was... Or as Johnny Cash said, you come away with a different point of view. That's another good one right yeah. there. So we think you will enjoy it. Uh, that will come up here in a little bit. Uh, it's Friday as we record this. Um, I can tell you got the... I mean, you got the fresh Illinois sneakers Did on. Did you notice this on the back? I and I. So what is I L I and I dude, those are badass. Yeah. Pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Like I can't say orange is my favorite color, but when you, when you put it against the Navy blue, I mean, I'll say this, it, it's a, it's a color that pops, especially on your shoe. Like that. it does. Yeah. Those are fresh. You As got I, that. You got that uh, pre NCA tournament energy. I I've, can feel it. I've got a little adrenaline going right now. I had that yesterday. Yeah. And it's being fueled by a little bit of booze yeah. as well as we drank on the podcast. Yes. Um, uh, I had that uh, same situation yesterday. Uh, was at a fine establishment downtown Minneapolis, The Loop, with friends. Um, by about 4.30 yesterday, that feeling turned from excitement to just a... like. It's not just dread. It's, it's dread and despair. And then you come to terms very quickly like... Well, there's nothing I could have done about that. I didn't play in the game. And, and then you, you you try to do your best to just pull out of how awful that feeling is. All you can do is go back to the high points in the season and remember those and enjoy them. Um, real quick, this is a Big Ten football podcast. We're not going to talk. But like 10 years from now, maybe five, um, do you think Iowa fans have permission to say, eh, we won the Big Ten basketball tournament, so that's fun? Of course. Okay. I mean, look, if Illinois loses today to Chattanooga, the Mocs, I can say we won the Big Ten tournament or the Big, Big Ten, Ten Big Ten regular season. season, regular season. Yeah, yeah. So you at least you got that, and you can't ever take that away. You can't, even if the NCAA strips you of something. Everyone watched the games. We know who the champion was. But as we sit right now, would you take one game back in the regular season if it meant that the Illini got to the Elite Eight? No, no. Four, oh, Final Four. Final Four. Final Four is the only thing that 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 is that is the point in the tournament that trumps a regular season champion for me. It, where it becomes memorable. Where it becomes more important. Yes. An Elite Eight, no. A Final Four, yes. Agree. Um, as an Iowa fan, being a five seed, I mean, you guys are a, like a four seed, aren't you? Four seed, you yeah. Kinda get, you you kind of got dick there a little bit in my personal Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But, um, I was wanting Sweet 16 because the, the probable opponent was Kansas. Mm. Sweet 16, give me a great game with Kansas. I walk away straight. That sure. obviously didn't happen, but... 
This is these, this is the trials and tribulations of, of, of being a fan here, right? Indeed. Yeah. All right. So, anything else, man? No. Let's just get into this unexpected interview. I think unexpected is a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah. So, the end of the podcast will also happen in the next segment. So, we'll talk to you soon. Here it is, Braden Gall, Athlon Sports, ESPN Radio. Braden Gall, welcome to the Eyes on Big Podcast. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing great, boys. Good to see you. Good to be here. Honored to be here. And set the record straight. That's what we're doing today. Well, I'm looking forward to this segment here. We're going to call this segment Five for Fighting. <laughs> a hockey reference. So we got a, a hockey fan here in Braden Gall. And I kind of wanted to start off by buttering you up a little bit, maybe soften you up a little bit before Greek goes to town on you. Because I wanted to say <laughs> that it's an honor to have you here. I've been listening to you in some form or fashion since about 2005 on the Sirius XM wow. football station. I mean, back in those days, it was the King, Bill King, kicking it off in the morning. That would transition into Chris Childers screaming at the microphone for a few <laughs> hours. And that would transition into the smooth sounds of Braden Golf. So wow. good to finally talk to you, not necessarily in person, but live. Now, yeah, this, this is the new in-person, right? It, it counts as in-person. Um, 2022. No, that's amazing, by the way. Thank you for like all of the years of, of like the people that know the Bill King, Chris Childers and myself, like any of our work from back in that time when we were complete morons. We're only less slightly less stupid now. But I, it, that is awesome. Like that that's as humbling and as honored as anything anybody could ever say to me. So thank you for 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 sticking with us, man. Well, I mean, the, what I would add add in is you know, it was hard to find anybody talking specifically about college football just 10, 15 years ago, you know, before podcasts took off and everything like that. So, I mean, college football has always been my passion. So I was always seeking that out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm with Kurt. I've probably listened to you in some capacity about that long, Sirius XM, all that stuff. Um, and actually listening to some of the Sirius XM hosts, not you, not, not Bill King, uh, some of the podcasts that actually uh, fired Kurt and I up to start our own podcast <laughs> because we, we arrogantly thought we could do better than a lot of the podcasts. And then we thought, we thought there was a, a void at the time four years ago where there wasn't any podcast specifically talking about the Big Ten. So in, in some capacity, you know, you and guys like you fired us up to, to do our own podcast. Well, and, and what's funny is like on back in those days, like I was just like, I thought I was a sports fan growing up. Like I was huge, huge sports fan in college. I didn't plan on doing this as a career, but when rivals offered me the job at like 20 grand a year to live in like the most expensive County in Tennessee, which is like when you're 24 or 23 and you take the job without even thinking about it, you have no clue like what you've just done for your entire life. Like you're just like, Oh, this will be great. This is awesome. Someone's going to pay me to learn about Wisconsin recruiting. Like this is tremendous. And, and then, and then 10 years go by and you realize that was dumb. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done that. But like, it, it really was so unique as a college football fan who, and me, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this, but like, I grew up literally all over the country, going to games all over the country. I went to TCU games when I was five. I went to Georgia tech games when I was seven. I've been to, with a, you know, most big 10 cities, like Texas games, just dozens of Texas games. And to then get out of college and land at the only national college football radio show and be producing, like, it was hard. We were dumb, but it was 
one of the more interesting two years of my entire career because I just felt like I was in a PhD listening to Bill King like teach me about the world of college football. Like every morning I got a three hour lecture on college football and I just I learned so much about everything from that point. And then you just sort of try to put your own spin on it from there. Like after that, it's just like, let's see if I can keep paying the bills this way. And so far, so good. I don't know. 2020 was interesting, but so far, so good. Well, you had uh, the pleasure of, of following Childers, not exactly like following Sinatra. <laughs> well, if you're talking about uh, the vocal stylings of Chris Childers, then yes, I completely agree with you. Uh, I have a much prettier singing voice. Uh, I'd like to think my pipes are even a little smoother because I don't have that nasally Chicago thing he's got. Um, but he is, I will admit this and don't, I hope nobody's listening, right? Um, he, he is he is one of the most talented on-air personalities I've ever worked with. He is also one of the goofiest and most ridiculous human beings I have ever been around. If you heard us on road trips over the last 15 years, um, yeah, just... <laughs> what I would... Think of like a South Park meets like a college dorm room in a car driving for four hours, just the two of us. Like it's, it's, there's a lot of dumb stuff in there. I would, I would love to shoot 18 holes with Rick Neuheisel drinking the whole time. And then <laughs> at the end, when he's tuned up, say, what do you think about Chris Childers? <laughs> well, th first of all, that would require throughout the course of the 18 holes for Rick Neuheisel to acknowledge that you exist. So that that's that's something that has to oh, happen. Are you are you saying a head coach has an ego? I've never I've never heard that before. Uh, dinner with Rick Neuheisel is fascinating. Um, it, it's there's a, there's a the eyes are wandering around a lot at dinner with Rick Neuheisel. No, he's he's such a, also extremely talented. Um, and uh, yeah, new, Rick, Rick. I've I have not worked a ton with Rick. Um, I did. I've done some shows with him, obviously, but not a lot. And so I don't know him as well as I know even Bill and, and Chris and those other guys. But um, that guy is as as smooth as he, he he is as smooth as it gets as far as coaches go. And uh, that's why he's got the job he's got with Childers. It's why you know why he was a hell of a recruiter. So for sure. Yeah, I like to rib Chris, but truly I do enjoy listening to him, especially with Rick. It's it's. Yeah, Radio great. gold is what it is. So what we're going to do here is we, we're calling it five for fighting because we're going to have five different sub-segments. But before we do that, we'd like to get to a little whiskey taste. Oh, do I have to? So whiskey <laughs> rubber arm received a gift from the Amador Whiskey Company. And I believe you got some Chardonnay double barrel and you got some Cabernet double, double barrel. Is that correct? Uh, so I've got the, yes, I've got the um, Cabernet Sauvignon double barrel, um, small batch there. All of them, I think all these are small batch actually, right? Yep. Uh, the double barrel Chardonnay and I've got the uh, port barrel rye. Now I'm not a huge rye guy, but I'm excited about this. So um, which right. one, which, where should I go first? I mean, I would start with the Chardonnay and yeah. work your way up to the cab right. and then to the port. All right. I like that. The finish it off with the, with the, with the strength. Yeah, there you go. I like that. And as right. always, hashtag ask for Amador. That's what, that's our tagline. Ooh. Okay, there we go. Just small taste. Just small taste today. It's it's, it's two forty five in the afternoon. Almost three hours afternoon. Come on, Brady. That's true. That's a valid point. Ooh. That's that's quite easy drinking. Nice. That's very very smooth. Very light. Light start. That's pretty. That's consistent all the way through. Is what that is. 
that, that's that a is great lineup. That that's that's a Kurt Ferentz defense right there from start to finish. <laughs> well coached, you know, uh, very consistent from start to finish. Brandon, I like that. Brandon, don't like make that. me don't make me like you right before we start <laughs> recording. That's not that's not what this pod is about. That's fine. It's fine. That's 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 quite tasty. I I I I really like the uh, like the full proof. Like I go up to like 128 proof. Like I like stuff that's real real, real strong. And so I don't drink a ton of like 80, but at 86, that's very, that's very yummy, very tasty. All right. I like it. This is delicious. And you got, you got different alcohol contents with all three of them. I don't know them off the top of my head, but. um, Yeah. 80, 86 proof, the Chardonnay barrel, 86 proof. Fantastic. That's delicious. So so, uh, Amador is owned by a, a wine company. So like most wine companies, they branch out. So this is their one of their Cadillac products of their spirits division. So they, to, in order to be a Kentucky bourbon, you have to spend three years in the barrel in Kentucky, but then they finish it for the last nine to 12 months in a, one of their wine barrels in California. And then they ship it back all over the country. So I'm, I'm one of the guys, like, first of all, I don't know anything about wine. Don't, don't know anything about wine. I wish I'd, I, sometimes I wish I did. And then I look at my bank account and I realize how much money I've saved, not giving a shit about wine. Can I cuss? Can I yeah, take it? Um, I've heard you guys cuss on the show before, so I figured it was okay. Um, no F-bombs, but we can always edit right. those. Fair, really fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I don't like, I don't know anything and I can't take you like too far down the rabbit hole, like I, about, about the flavors and like tannins and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, but I, I do like to think that I've got uh, an appreciation for, uh, I've developed it at least in the last couple of years, dangerously, probably against my wife's wishes that, uh, there's there's like twelve different bottles of bourbon on the shelf, but this is this is quite delicious. I'm I'm gonna finish this off if you guys don't mind. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of the floral notes of that shard whiskey myself. Mm, that's very yummy. I like nice. that. Love love the nose. That's when it, when your first sip that you get. Yeah, it's very it's very clean, light, crisp. I like that. Again, very consistent, start to finish. I like it. Nice. Well, there you go. I mean, that's. I, I can feel the honesty there. That's, so that's a good plug. Feel free to uh, mm. send out tweets or mention it on air. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So we don't want to force you to chug. We can move, start moving into segments and you can yeah, interject we'll do it. with other Let's do it. Okay, so the first segment, these aren't so much questions as segments. We are going to call SEC Speak. So neither <laughs> Greek nor myself were raised or grew up as SEC haters. It developed over time. I'm not sure hater is necessarily the right word, but I can tell you exactly the moment it started for me. I'm pretty sure it was the day after the Auburn-Oregon National Championship game. I was listening to Bill King in the morning. Couldn't wait to get up, walk the pooch, listen to some Bill King. And literally every caller, because Monday is callers only, every caller was SEC chanting. And I'm like, well, can we talk about the game? It's, I, I feel like it's more – like it's becoming – too conference-centric and not enough team-centric. It, it, so that seemed to be the starting point for me when I was – it started with annoyance, and it's progressed from there. And what I, what I would add, same, same deal. I mean, I, I just grew up uh, an Iowa fan, first and foremost. I mean, my older brother played for Iowa, so by 1988, I was, you know, a complete uh, Hawkeye fan. And then you learn through the sports. And like working through college and then post-college, I remember a bunch of us sitting around in our tailgate, 2002, three, somewhere around there. And we're like, you know what we should do during one of Iowa's bye weeks, idle weeks, 
we should go down to SEC country and go to Georgia or else, you know, like check out a game or whatever. And we just never like got around to it, to be honest with you. And then over time, and I think it happened around 2006, seven, eight, when the merger between ESPN and SEC happened. I mean, obviously ESPN now has a financial interest in the health and eyeballs of the sport of SEC football. I, I think it's, it's undeniable that they started jamming the narrative down the throats of all college football fans. So like there's a collective feeling, you know, that not just big 10 fans, but at, you know, big 12 fans, maybe some ACC fans too that have gotten. So I don't think we're, we're, you know, making this up. I don't know, man. Like that's the start of the segment is, is do you acknowledge that? And what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, extraordinarily loaded question. Um, because obviously the Big Ten's partnership with ESPN in the early 90s changed the game forever. And, 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 and frankly, ESPN, as, as a non-ESPN non shill, but like technically an ESPN employee, um, they have massive financial interests in every one of these conferences. Like the ACC Network, the Big 12. Herb Street, I think, called like, what, six Big Ten games this year on, on the ABC Saturday night game of the, of the week. And I, I would... That would have been 2010 would have been like right around the, like they had five straight championships somewhere around there. I don't think you can have this conversation without having the conversation about like seven other market forces. And that's the internet recruiting world taking off and, and sort of the, the focus and the spotlight on talent acquisition and what it takes to acquire talent. Where is the talent coming from? Who are these guys? The, the internet exploding, social media exploding, coaches' contracts and the dollars within the industry exploding. And the Big Ten, let's be very clear, the Big Ten still makes more money than the SEC on a per-school basis. And so I, you just have to kind of take the whole thing in context. And I think Fowler has said this on the air before. The best thing for ESPN with the, the rights to sell to advertisers in the college football playoff era is to have Ohio State, Notre Dame, USC, and probably one big SEC school in that playoff. That's where they're going to get the most regional or, or national coverage and the most interest from around the country, which will then make them the most money that they can then go sell to their advertisers. And so while I think there's plenty of homers for every conference all over every network, like you can find homers for the SEC, you can find homers for the ACC, uh, Danny, I do not know what he's talking about half the time. Danny Cannell is talking. I don't, I don't understand. Um, you can find homers for every conference. I think there are really good people that work really, really hard, that love every conference in college football, that just sometimes have an opinion about something. And my, my opinion, and we can, I also can't tell this, my opinion about the SEC without telling sort of my backstory too, because I feel like I'm a little bit more qualified to say, I grew up, wishing and hoping and rooting for the Big Ten to be better. And then when it became a national product, it was just so obvious that my favorite team, Wisconsin growing up, was never going to have the athletes that Alabama had or Clemson or Ohio State even, frankly. So there's just there, there has to be an acknowledgement of the differences between one league and the other leagues while also understanding the financial ramifications that you're talking about. So there's no question that there's people that are shoving SEC narratives down people's throats. But I think Twitter makes it worse. I think social media makes it worse. And I think the, the game of college football, I grew up, 
my grandfather went to the Rose Bowl in 93 and watched Daryl Bevel in Wisconsin in the stands and cried with his wife, my grandmother, God rest both their souls, with my parents. No kids allowed. I was definitely not invited. But they were in the Rose Bowl crying because they beat UCLA in, for the first time in like 50 years. In so a your, uh, your grandpa did the Barry Alvarez to you where he just, <laughs> he just pushed, yeah. the, pushed his grandkid away, get well, away from and- me. And actually, it happened every year because, like, my dad and his brothers and my grandfather used to go on a trip called – because we, we lived south of the Mason-Dixon line since, like, 88 and 89. But they would go back to a game at Camp Randall on Saturdays and a game at Lambeau Field on Sundays. They, they was, like, their, their, their guys' trip without wives, without kids, like, not allowed to come. And me and my brother and my cousins, who are all huge Packers fans and Badgers fans growing up, going, like, guys, hey, when are you going to take the 13-year-old? And now, as a 39-year-old, I'm like, yeah, that was a good call by you, Dad. Not <laughs> to – not to bring me and that the long story short like you loved the 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 accomplishment and sort of what that meant to wisconsin and the game has been far too focused on the the national championship and the college football playoff even i even i have evolved through that equation because you know there's it's interesting that we're recording now because i have picked up on that that you have softened your stance on caring all about the college football playoffs. We'll get to that in a little bit, but um, I want to punch myself before I use this term, but I, I believe maybe you have a unconscious bias that maybe you're not aware of in that when you're breaking down SEC teams on the podcast, I hear a fire in your voice. You're, you're excited to talk about the quarterback battle for the first and second guy at South Carolina, you know, but when it comes down to talking about, don't you put that on me? I don't, I don't once you start that. talking about Wisconsin <laughs> and Iowa, there is this, uh, when is this segment over? I, I just, I don't even want to talk about these guys. Oh man, and, that hurts. Well, and, and then I'm that mixing hurts. it in and, and part of it. Hey man, I'm an, I'm an honest guy. We'll talk through no, it. You're good. You got you're the good. bourbon. And, and can like, I, can I, is this a good time to go to the second one? Should I go to the Cabernet? <laughs> um, the other the other side of it is like I wrote some of these down like uh, Minnesota Auburn right to not have a, an Iowa player to it the Minnesota Auburn game 2019 I think it was Outback Bowl and uh, or 2020 maybe Outback Bowl technically speaking and th- those announcers were they were amazed whenever Minnesota was just able to tackle an Auburn ball carrier as if (laughs) it was going to be like a week one Tecmo Bowl 72 to nothing game you know um Iowa Mississippi State of course another Outback Bowl Mississippi State fans were just incredulous they 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 couldn't believe that 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 podunk team from Iowa came came and beat them you know and you, you saw it last year with Auburn, hang on, hang on, from a much larger and more metropolitan city than Starkville by by leaps and bounds. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And then and then one one personal story, if I could. This, this was four years ago, so this is before Georgia went nuclear. Okay, I was at a a work conference. Okay, and it was something that I was speaking at. So there was these so there's people from all over the country, and there was two guys that came up to me to talk work. And they've got, first of all, they got Georgia shirts on and it's a work conference. So that's pretty douchey in itself. I'd like to point that out. <laughs> but after we, after we, oh, talked, what kind of haircuts, what kind of haircuts did they have? They, okay. They were, I, they were straight up visors and pop collars. Oh, on God. The weekend, oh, man, God. you can see it. But anyways, they, so I obnoxious. Say, 
I said something about it was during the fall. I said, do you think Georgia's going to cover the 14 and a half? You know, like I, I knew what the spread was and, and they're like, you know, so we started talking football and I said, yeah. And you know, it came into conversation. I'm like, yeah, I played at Iowa. And he goes, where? And I'm like, Iowa. He goes, oh, so Iowa. And, and, and his, and I said, what do you mean? He's well, it's not like you played in the SEC. That That's literally what he said to me. And it's like, I feel like, and many of us Big Ten fans feel like, it is this constant narrative, the quote-unquote SEC speak, as if Ohio State and Michigan and, you know, Oklahoma and tons right, of right, teams right. have speed. It's not, it's not that the SEC has domain of speed, but, but it's that thing that gets beamed into our heads. It makes old man like us grumpy. And it makes young dudes in the South like that cocky beyond control. Yeah. It's there. Well, I, there, so again, this is like six different conversations, like all, all in one. The, the facts are pretty obvious that the SEC has better football players, like just period. Like that's it. Like they've got more draft picks. There's more players recruited in this area. The South has won 23 national championships out of 27 years. Like overall, broadly, not any one individual team, like, 2011 Wisconsin versus 2014 Michigan State versus you know Ohio State's sort of the exception. So that's sort of like a like I don't view that they're as not, a, they're yeah. not sort of the exception. They, they right. are an exception, right? Okay, but I don't right there, Braden, right there. That's what I'm talking about. Ohio State is sort of Ohio State is on par with the best oh, teams no, in the country. No, no question. There, no question about that. And this is like. Again, there, there are a couple other parallel conversations. One of them is that I think Big Ten fans, I, dude, P, SEC people are obnoxious. Like, I'm not even going to deny that. Like, they, the, you, you started the conversation with the SEC chant thing. And, and I was like, I've always screamed this from the top of my lungs. And if you guys have listened to me long enough, like, the fact that SEC fans, and I don't think I've heard it as much, as much lately because they've realized this. And a lot of us down here are going, why would you root against your own best interests? If you're Tennessee or Auburn, and Alabama wins a championship, what the hell are you doing? Like, what cheering yeah. for Alabama, in theory, to win that game technically allows them to recruit better, and therefore they have a better chance of beating your team. And I've never understood that. Maybe yeah. it's because they lost. I think it's because they lost the war and they're not over it yet. But that's, that's neither here nor there. The trickle-down so, the trickle down economics is right, not right. helping their SEC program. So there's a lot of different conversations. Like, one of them is, like, actual. where are the actual best football players playing? And where are they from high school and where do they go to the NFL? And by and large, the SEC is head and shoulders above every other conference when it comes I, to I, talent. I think head and shoulders is an overstatement. I, I'm it, saying it, over time across all 14 teams. But this now, is the rhetoric. This is the rhetoric. Well, let me, let, me, let, me, well let me land back to where the, the – back on the other side of, of the conversation, which is about how the game is talked about, which is different than – who's actually good or bad. First of all, I don't give a shit about a bowl game. Don't, don't throw a bowl game at me. Yeah. I don't care. If the SEC is 9-0, I don't care. I don't care. If the Big Ten is 2-9, I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. That, that's, a, that's a cynical old man just realizing that the game has changed. The, the bowl games don't matter. The outcomes don't matter. The fact that you're there is something you should tailgate at and celebrate and drink beer. And like Purdue fans came to Nashville and were awesome. They were great. And, and Aiden O'Connell threw for like a billion yards and it was wonderful. It was amazing. And they got to celebrate that win, but it doesn't change or affect their program next year. Purdue is not going to be good or bad next year because they beat Tennessee in a bowl game. It doesn't, or vice versa. Had Tennessee gotten the call 
that Tennessee fans are bitching and moaning about. Is it possible? It, it wouldn't make them better either. Is so. it possible that, that Purdue could get one recruit from that ball? I, is it is it possible? That's a that's a it's possible, but it's a counterfactual that neither of us can prove. So I, I it it is it is a ask any I, ask any coach if they feel like those bowl games matter. I guarantee you're gonna they're gonna tell you they do. Now that's I, in segment. Let's put a bowl on that because that's well everything is everything is used in recruiting. Like the 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 the, the snowfall you in your the snowfall in your hometown is used in recruiting. I agree with that. I just don't think. Kids go to college because of like uniforms and stuff like nowadays, like they're, like they're now it's going to be all NIL money, frankly, but it, it's which is segment five. If you, if you can time, if you could show me like, hey, this win in the Liberty Bowl allowed so and so university to recruit a better class. Like I, I, I am skeptical that that is the the thing that we should be talking about, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, I think Here's- I think there's like 20 other factors because I think announcers are totally guilty of what you're talking about. Like announcers during a game, like, but I don't, that's not, I can only be responsible for what I say and what I see. I can't, you know. And I under, I totally understand that, but like, it's hard. It's not hard. It's basically impossible for us common fans to differentiate. We, we turn on our radio, we turn on our TV. It's a, it's a person talking to us. So it's just, it's all one big thing to us. Now back to the SEC. That's That's interesting. That's that's how I believe most of us feel. Now back to the SEC stuff uh, compared to the Big Ten and whatnot. So Mr. Ohio, he is a a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Big Ohio State fan, obviously. Um, me and him talk about this all the time. Is there is no denying that the top of the SEC is not only better than the Big Ten, it's it's better than everybody, right? I mean Alabama's dominance is insane. You know, like we've never seen anything quite like it. Um, LSU will pop up every now and then. And then obviously we just had Georgia. Uh, We've had Auburn once too. That's four SEC teams at the top. I totally get it. Okay. What Florida's Florida's got two rings since, since Michigan's even been in a game. So again, it's, it's, it's not that I don't recognize. And like I said, Mr. Ohio, and I think I can talk for Kurt here. We recognize the, the top is is been amazing but teams three through the bottom compared to the rest of the big 10 and a lot of other teams like it's not that it's not that different and 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 what we hear is that this is just this amazing gauntlet that alabama has to get through i think there's a reason there's two reasons alabama has run through the sec pretty much at will the last decade well three nick saban Two, because Alabama is amazing. And three, because the teams three through 14 in the SEC are good. They're not that good. And, and the records out of conference, and yes, I'm going to use bowls, they bore that out. The, the SEC has a good bowl record and out of conference record, but it's not undefeated. The SEC has had some ugly stub their toe moments. And to, to be honest with you, even if an SEC team won a game, right, like, a, a fairly even matched up SEC team to a fairly even matched up uh, Big Ten team, right? Like, you know, the Tennessee, uh, uh, Tennessee Purdue is a great example. Let's say that Tennessee actually won that game. To me, it doesn't make any difference. You know what I saw? I saw two evenly matched teams in that game. I see it all the time with SEC teams three through 14, and sometimes it's two through 14. And that is the quote-unquote SEC speed stuff that we get j- jammed down our throat where 
you, you hear SEC fans like, we would be 12 and 0 in the Big Ten, and you look up. No, no you're a six and six Tennessee team. <laughs> you are not going 12 well, and 0 in the right. Big Ten. So well, real Tennessee, quick here. Go ahead, go ahead, Kurt. Bring, go ahead and retort, but then we have to move on to the next segment. Okay. So, well, I, I, I mean, I would say Tennessee, like personally, I, I thought Tennessee was like the eighth or ninth best team in the league. But that's the specific. What I don't like about this entire conversation is that I feel, and this is why. Like, I want to hear people that say the things and feel the things you say. I would absolutely say that SEC fans do not have a monopoly on being completely obnoxious on Twitter about their, their conference. That is not an SEC-only thing. That's a everybody-in-the-world thing. What I would say is I don't even like the fact that I am the stand-in because I started as for, – for the SEC. If, if you're a if you're – this is hard to, hard to explain. If you are – if you're from – Macon, Georgia, and you grow up a diehard Georgia Bulldogs fan, and you've lived in Georgia your entire life, and your grandpappy loves the Georgia Bulldogs, and everybody loves the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I am not that person. So what the one thing I don't like about this conversation, if, you, if we all want to disagree with like, hey, the media does this over the top, and they shovel this narrative, the people on the committee aren't doing that, and people like me aren't doing that. I, I came to my opinion about the SEC completely honestly. And that's the only thing I have. That's the only problem I have with this conversation on, on Twitter, mostly, which, again, I have to remind myself and tell my wife that it's not real life, but that that the that you are automatically somehow biased because of some internal intrinsic human quality that I don't know about. I came to my conclusions about the SEC because I watched Big Ten football for 25 years. And Big 12 football. I grew up in Texas as well. So my point is, is that for me, and the one thing I want, I really want people to know, like, I love every college football team. I really do. Like, I know I joke on the air and I say, I hate everybody's team. I hate, I hate Oregon State and I hate Washington State and I hate Rutgers and I hate, like, that's, that's a joke because that's not how I grew up. I grew I would, up loving I would, every I would college maybe, football team. I would maybe shelf that joke because I don't think, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's playing it, it, like, like, you had a personal vendetta versus group of five teams for a while there. I, I don't know. Well, if but, you, but, but again, let's the, the vent. What I've always said about group of five teams is I love watching them, but my analysis and my enjoyment of watching the game is different than do they belong in the playoff? Like the, like we have to separate the two separate conversations, which I could was right into the second point here. Probably. Well, yeah, let's table that discussion because we're going to talk about that okay. uh, very quickly. Anything else just to wrap up real quick, Brayden? Um, the Cabernet Sauvignon, it's got those nice dark floral tones, a little blackberry, a little chocolate, delicious. I love it. Amador, good stuff, boys. Up to very 90 good. proof, very <laughs> smooth. I enjoy it. Let me finish this off. Excellent. Okay, so we'll move on to the next segment, and we're calling this segment Recruiting Matters. Now, you've just pointed out that, yes, if you look at recruiting rankings, the SEC they're, they, I believe this year they have the top three teams in, in the 2022 recruiting rankings. Yes, there are. I agree with you. You had mentioned that more talent comes from the Southeast than probably any other area of the country. But I guess what I would, my retort to the whole recruiting thing, because it seems like everyone in the South and everyone on ESPN is very recruiting centric. And I love recruiting too. But it's not the only thing that matters. Uh, coaching matters. I think identifying talent matters. Developing talent matters. I think choosing a good scheme to allow your team to win matters. I think choosing the right 
offense for the type of defense that you like to run, vice versa, matters. So I guess, Greek, yeah. uh, how, how would you like to same, talk about recruiting? Yeah, same, like, obviously, I know that recruiting matters as in almost like a deadpan, like, obviously, recruiting matters. It's, <laughs> it's the lifeblood of any college football program. Anybody that doesn't understand that just doesn't follow college football. Okay, with that being said, uh, two things. It's it's overplayed, all right. Like I feel like you, sorry man, but no, you're you, good. You're good. Yeah, you're good. you. I'm drinking, and, I'm drinking bourbon, talking college football on a Friday. This is yeah, great. I'm good. Right. You and and uh, uh, cover three guy, the uh, the lawyer. I can't think of his name right now. Patterson. Oh, Bud Elliott. Bud Elliott. Bud, Bud Elliott. Elliott. He drives me actually. The blue chip. Truth be told. Truth be told, Bud Elliott has took over the top spot of annoyance from from you. So I just want oh, to make sure you know that. I know. God, I, know. I, I can't. I can't win anything, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, but Bud Elliott and, and the like. You know, it is essentially they just look up w- when a game just went down. Like it, they actually played a football contest, and it was twenty-four to seventeen. I don't know, twenty-four to fourteen, something like that. And it's like, well, yeah, they, they have more talent. I'm like, well, okay, but, it, you know, it was a one-score game. And then the other side of things that I would point out with recruiting, and it kind of folds into what we're talking about before, maybe the next segment, the, the top five teams, they're, they're in outer space. They're, they're so far away. And, and, and so then, and this does fold into the rest of the SEC and the Big Ten, the difference between class eight and 24 it's it's minimal like then coaching yeah yeah then coaching matters now but comparing team eight to team three moonshot difference so there's nothing that the that the iowas and the mississippi states like those teams are never going to be at that top level so we, I'm not we sure do. I disagree with anything either okay. one of you have said so far. So, so, th- but that's to us, to me, there's too much emphasis put on recruiting. I guess that's my statement. And, and I'll just let you run with that. Like, do you, do you agree with that? I, I, I think, again, I can only speak for what I put emphasis on because I, Bud is obviously, you know, in the recruiting world. Um, then I've also dealt with lots of, I don't want to say older folk uh, in my career where I had to convince them that the earth was in fact round and that climate change is real and that recruiting rankings do matter. I would, I think you need to throw a couple extra tiers in there though. I think that's the problem, like with the recruiting conversation. And I totally agree with both of you. You got to have great coaching. You got to have great development. You probably need luck. Like you probably need a football to bounce. This weird football probably needs to bounce a weird way for you to win injuries. Like no one denies, no one with a brain that watches sports can deny that the recruiting is just the starting point. It is only the starting point. But when you start the race, if you're running a thousand meters and you're starting at meter 500 and everyone else is starting at meter 100, that is a huge difference. For sure. So I think you, I think you have to put another tier in there because I'll, I'll use this playoff game as an example, because I agree with you top four, five, six, give or take whatever on another planet, right? Outer space. Georgia. Michigan is in that 8 to 15 range. And Michigan recruits really, really well. And Michigan did not have a single player that would have started for Georgia outside of Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe. Maybe Ojabo, maybe maybe Ojabo, a job. No chance. They uh, don't start over Nicobe Dean. Jackson Hill. Jackson Hill. Georgia's, Georgia's secondary wasn't okay. very good. 
so maybe they, maybe he does okay, start. But okay, there's three right there. But Braden, there's but, three right there. So when you and you three, no, I don't think a job. I don't think a job starts on Georgia's defensive line. He, he's, he's a great he's on player. The he, he's, he's on a, the field. Oh, he's wow. in rotation. No question. No question. He, he's going to be on the field next year for an NFL. Well, I know he just got injured. But he's, he's going to be in the NFL. He would have been on Georgia's team. That is love him. Love him. I love him. I love him. But the point is, is that the talent gap between Georgia outer space team that you've alluded to and Michigan, very, very, very good recruiting team with a very good coach, in my opinion. I know that's like slanderous to some people, but I think Jim Harbaugh's football teams are very well coached. They're physical. They're never out of position. They're just not talented enough to beat the outer space team. But Michigan is also way more talented than I don't know, a hundred other college football teams. So there's a lot of other, you have to put more tiers in there. Wisconsin does not recruit at the same level as Michigan. Now what they, what they do with those players is different. Wisconsin has manhandled Michigan recently. I I, I agree. And uh, this is where coaching development, injuries, luck, all that other stuff is totally a factor. Just because you have great players doesn't make you a great team, but you cannot have a great, you cannot have a great team without starting with great players. I, that, like that that's yeah. the sort of that's the sort of way the, I look at it. Yeah. And, and and I guess where you seem to be acknowledging what I'm trying to talk about, it's it's you know, it's the Jimmies and Joes, X's and O's thing. Like I get it. You need the Jimmies and Joes, but like it just seems to be that the overall direction of a program, the, the game plan, you know, offense, defense, special teams working together, it just seems to get shoved aside at an alarming rate by the younger generation that that want it to be NCAA football 2014 or Madden where you just acquire the talent and you plug it in it's like it's like this it's hard isn't it harder to isn't it harder to understand right like you understand it as a former player like I didn't play in college I don't think but I don't think you have to be a former player to understand it tons of people that I interact with on, on Twitter and because of the podcast most of them aren't ex players they they get it but you the, know the, but can the vast majority of of college casual football fans. And again, this, this is a media commentary. This is a fandom commentary. This is a lot of different comments, but like how many of them can tell you the difference between an RPO and a zone read. And what's the difference in like some of these very subtle, like highbrow football things that you kind of need to like, Oh, that's why that coach does it really, really well. And that's why that coach is not doing it really, really well. Like why is Missouri's offense with Drew Locke so simple, actually, ironically with Josh Heupel as his coordinator, like, his offense is so simple because of how do you explain that to somebody? And people don't like you as commentators, you try to come up with a way to try to explain that to somebody like, Oh, it's a one read and go one read and throw type of offense. And that you sort of have to boil it down to something super digestible for a large scale audience to consume because people just don't have the time to understand the differences between why Pat Fitzgerald's linebackers play differently than, you know, Mark D'Antonio's linebackers or Kirk Ferentz's linebackers. And you would know that even more than I probably would know that. But I think the fans that do understand that, that that's who's listening to your podcast and our podcast. I don't, I don't think the casual fans, college football fans are tuning into our podcast. They'll, they'll tune into a game when their team is playing, but guys like us, us three that are on this. And I would, I would literally say 95% of the people listening to this, they, they are that in tune. Okay. So I feel like you can up the game to those people and, and talk to them about that. They will absolutely eat that stuff up. I, I think, okay. I think, and this is where I want to be totally transparent about sort of how I've evolved through all of this, especially recently, the, the, the playoff came around and 
especially at Athlon with our magazine and with the conversations on radio, which is a science about attracting an audience and trying to appeal to the broadest set of people to bring in as many listeners as possible that'll stay through five minutes and win a quarter hour. Like there's a science to the whole radio thing that is designed around conflict, that is designed around sensationalism, that is designed around plucking nerve endings, right? Like it's, it's literally playing on your anxiety is how you get good at radio. And it's why I love podcasts. It's why your show is just two guys talking about ball that you love. Is that commercially viable for ESPN or for Fox Sports or for CBS? It's probably not. Really? So you have to, you have to figure out a way. Like, so what happened back to what, what my evolution? Like, I just want to say I disagree with that. I, well, it's, it's, it, it's a different, how about this? It's a different type of commercially viable. How about that? It's, it's a, you ha, you're appealing to a broad, broad base. Right. Like I'm, t- I'm, I promise you though, like when I do ESPN radio on Saturday mornings for college football, like we, we have high level topics that we can no, not be more than 30 minutes away from. We have to get back to the biggest story, no matter what, because that is how you win radio. It is not, it is not like, Hey, let's break down the, 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 you know, the three, three, five that West Virginia is running today against Oklahoma state. Like that's, you can't do that because people will turn off the radio. Huh. So you have to get it on podcasts. You have to get it on Sirius XM that, actually is sort of that's like the segment I that's the segment I share with my buddies and and you know like, dude you gotta listen to this right that, and that's and, what but but it's but I, I I'm not this is not insulting to anybody it's it's more just like I've gotten older and I have less time like I don't watch baseball anymore right like I used to be a baseball expert and I used to love baseball I'm a fantasy baseball nerd and I've had I now I got a five and a four year old and I just don't watch baseball anymore so I what would what lures me into baseball now is I, I've turned into the casual fan who needs to be appealed to in less than seven seconds to stay tuned into your show. I used to love why no why does Noah Syndergaard's third pitch, you know why is he working on that? Like I used to love that as a Mets fan. I also Mets fandom is also a delicate place for me. Um, but but I think my personal evolution is I was too focused on the playoff because it was the big new shiny thing, and I wanted to focus on what is. And also my time of my career, like I was kind of coming up through the ranks, trying to prove to program directors and to bosses that I deserved other jobs. So it's like, what, what, what's the story? What's the soap opera? What's the drama? What is the thing that people are interested, the most amount of people are interested in? And that is not going to be Iowa, Iowa State. I think it's great. I think it's an awesome game. I love that game. I think it's one of the greatest games in all of college football, but I cannot talk about it on ESPN radio for more than 30 seconds before my bosses are going to be like, and it's, it's, not, it's not personal. It's not about Iowa or Iowa State. It's about what do the people in the country want to listen to? And they want to hear Ohio State. They want to hear Michigan. They want to hear Bama. They want to hear drama. They want to hear all this other stuff that's like soap opera-y. And, and it is what it is. That, that's a totally different beast. So I have learned that I went too far into the playoff on the Cover 2 podcast, for example, that I was caught up in that that. Uh, inertia right like there's this momentum towards the playoff and I got caught up in it and I was anti-expansion for 10 years I wanted to be super difficult to win a championship and I never once was inauthentic about what I was saying now I have evolved as I've gotten older and been like you know what I loved about college football when I was 15 in 1996 you know what I I couldn't stand that Ron Dane fumbled now I'm gonna say the f-word like Ron Dane fumbled against Northwestern and like I that's the kind of stuff that I grew up loving and hating and getting back to acknowledging that highlighting that talking about that more that is certainly something that in the last couple of years I have you know I'm I'm, it's very fluid for me on that 
And so podcasts allow us to do more of that stuff. And I tried to bring radio onto podcasting. And, and even my boss, Mitch Light, who was my co-host on the cover two for a while, was like, dude, this is not a radio show. This is a podcast. You, you're appealing to a different type of person with a different type of audience. And so, I, you know, that's a, again, these are all like super in the weeds, like nerdy media conversations. But I, I just want to try to explain my perspective on how I navigated the, the big picture stuff that we have to deal with in, in like regular, quote unquote, mainstream media. Well, that was a really good peek behind the curtain there, Brian. I want to say that. And yes, I agree. Fumbling is an F word. <laughs> So let's roll into a read here. The Eyes on Big podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip meat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is a perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. And speaking of Amador, we have another one we want to try there. Uh, this is the rye finished in the port barrels, 92 proof. So now we're talking boys. Now we're talking. Um, it smells delicious. Again, I will admit I'm a hard sell on rye. You got to be pretty good yeah. for me to, for me to be a big rye guy. Yeah. I like rye in cocktails. If I'm out at a cock, if I'm out at dinner, I want rye in my cocktail cause it's bolder, a little stronger, but if I'm at home, I kind of go for the, the, the sweeter stuff. So we'll, we'll find out. Here we go. Ooh, buttery. I like that. That's, vel that's velvety. That's, that's not harsh at all for a rye. That's delicious. What, where, where can I buy this, Amador? Ask Amador. Where can you I get, buy this? You can, all you have to do is get on their website. They have a store locator right next to you. Mm. That's, uh, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe my, my, my palate is evolving like my playoff, per, my, my playoff thoughts. I, I, this is delicious. Great. I love that. But that buttery flavor brought to you by a chemical called diacetyl. So moving on to the <laughs> third segment. <laughs> this, this segment is called The Fans Matter. And you actually touched on this a little bit, Brayden. I want to go deeper a little bit now. So from someone like myself, I don't, I don't do a lot of national media anymore because of some of the things you explained. There's this hyper-focus on just the teams that – have a chance at making the college football playoff and everything else isn't really important anymore. Um, so I don't like the way that, that has progressed. I think pre playoff, you got a little bigger taste, but I used to even complain back in the days when ESPN would only talk about the top 25 teams. Like why can't they talk about the, the, the rest of the country? So I, I, I feel like we've gone from something that already wasn't big enough and we've contracted Greek. Let's hear your no, thoughts. No, no, uh, 100% accurate. My, my response would be that's nothing really to do with ESPN specifically and way more to do with the for-profit media model. <laughs> like, I agree. I, 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 that I, I, is, I just use ESPN because... You, no, it's, it's and that's fine. And, well, they, they are an easy foil. Like, they're low-hanging fruit, and, and it's, it's totally, it makes total sense. But if you want to get let into... Me, yeah, let me, can I add something quick? And then, sorry, I, but, okay. So the, the fans matter. This is something that matters to Kurt and I a lot um, because we feel like the fans get muted and shoved in the corner. And if we go away, not, the pod's gone. Your way of life is gone. Like we are the most, I, I'm, and I'm a former player. 
we are more important than the coach and the, and the players. I, I'm just going to say it. If they don't have us to play for and support them, it's all gone. Poof. It's gone. Now, you you it's pay never- for everything. You pay for everything. Without you, Kirk Ferentz doesn't have a contract. Nick Saban doesn't have a contract. Bill Belichick doesn't have a contract. Tom Brady is still retired. You know, whatever. Right. So, it, it, like, and I just feel like that statement there isn't said enough. And, 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 and I'm, not a, I'm not asking for ESPN and every podcast to, to bow down to us, the fans, but there should be more of an acknowledgement of that. And, like, the joke is it should be – I understand it's called the Cover 2 podcast because that's about how many teams you actually focus on in the podcast. It popped in my head. I had, I had to go with it. Um, but like, little, which one of the Greeks wrote that one? Which one of the little Greeks wrote that joke? <laughs> Definitely the kindergartner. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, um, uh, so, like – I understand. So when we started the podcast, we had some some principles, you know, if we had a brick and mortar building, it, one of the principles that we would have put, you know, mission statement would have been, we're going to talk about all 14 teams. Okay, we're talking about every team in the Big Ten. And we try to do our best to talk about them evenly. Now, obviously, as the year progresses, and you know, there's only so many teams in the Bulls and playoff and whatnot, you know, it, it changes a little bit. I also understand when you have 130 teams to talk about, that's literally impossible. You you can't do it. Okay. But what I wonder is if you could drive the ship and by you, I mean, anybody that's got a mic ESPN and whatnot. I wonder if you could drive the ship a little bit better than you think you can, which is get some knowledge out there and then people will care a little bit more. So I'm saying if you do a little bit more reporting on why Iowa and Iowa State don't like each other, why Indiana, Purdue don't like each other, people get to know history a little bit. And then they're like, I kind of want to check that out now, or at least I'm going to put some money on that game because now I have some vested interest in it. And I think this kind of plays into why we are seeing some attendance issues across the country. I loved your pod. <laughs> I loved the pod. I agreed with a ton of it. They got to improve the Wi-Fi in the stadium. <laughs> as, as sad Damn as that is, they need they need to do that. I am totally fine with the games being shorter. Yeah. Your points that that you made were valid. What I think we're seeing is a ton of eh. My team's not in the playoffs or or, or that great, <clears throat> and 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 that that type of of thought process is pervasive across college football fans. We have gotten compliments. If I could break my arm, pat myself on the back, Kurt and I have gotten compliments in that because we teach them about the other 13 teams in the big 10, they've actually cared about the big 10 more because now they are interested in Purdue, Indiana, even though they're a Nebraska fan. And, and I wonder if you could have that same application applied broad stroke to your audience i i think so i love uh, first of all i love the sort of chicken or the egg what comes first on how coverage works coverage of of a sport anything really a topic ukraine whatever like how how what like is it the audience are we delivering content in a certain way in the mainstream media because that's the way the audience wants it or is the audience taking it because that's the way the media is creating and i think there's you can argue both sides of that until we're you know, until we're all passed out drunk from this Amador and it would be, and it would never, we would never have an answer. Correct. So I, I, 
what will never, and this goes back, I hate to keep saying like the for-profit model, but like this is not an ESPN problem. This is a for-profit model problem. And if you are in a business where you have to adhere to certain media principles to drive, and, and this, is, this is where we're at. It is about engagement. It is about outrage. It is about clicks. It is about sensationalism. It is about all this other stuff. Now, when you take that away and you go to the Cover 2 podcast or the Eyes on Big Ten podcast or people that are doing it, this cottage industry, and I'll like Stephen Godfrey's a close friend of mine. Uh, Godfrey's a guy who like is all in on the, the, the last 85 teams in college football, hates the playoff, right? And there's this whole, there's a couple of, there's, there's this whole cottage industry of people in the media that still just love college, the, the obscured, like, you talk, you talk to me about the, the, the Rogers brothers beating USC in 2008 on a Thursday night in Corvallis. I'm there, guys. Like, I love this stuff. It's not that I don't. It's that that's not going to drive a huge audience for certain mainstream, you know, companies. On my podcast now, which is why we've gone back to trying to do what you're talking about, which is refocusing on why did we become fans in the first place? Why are the things that are charming and right. we love about them? And, and this really, honestly, this is where the expansion of the playoff why I've changed my mind on it. Because if you want, if you want a, a, an SEC fan or a Pac-12 fan to pay attention to Wisconsin, Minnesota, which there's so much going on in their lives, there's, they have their own sports and their own families and their own jobs. It's just hard to watch that much college football. But if you want people to pay attention to Wisconsin, Minnesota, when they have a combined seven losses at the end of the year, the way you do that is to make that game more valuable for some reason, right? Like whatever the reason might be. Sell the sizzle. Before right, the I, arrives. This, is, this is where the expansion will help that part of this. It's never oh. going to change the media. It's not, I've heard this before. It's not going to change the media. You cannot change. Like, I, I, I hope to I God. Like, I've launched my own. I'm not even kidding about this, guys. I launched my own company here in Nashville about the Nashville Predators, about Nashville SC soccer, about um, local, local stuff that's happening, whether it's Titans or SEC football. And my entire business model is that there are a group of people in Nashville that care more about having thoughtful conversation than being engaged with anxiety. And okay. those are two totally separate business models. And one is way more commercially viable than the other one right now. Your business model is the future, Brady. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. That is the future. That, first of all, we all got enough drama going on out in the world i <laughs> right. i don't have to find more i'm trying to avoid drama like the plague so to me and when we when we recorded on the pandemic that was forced on all of us we kept recording thank god people fought for college football to be played because people needed that aka the fans matter people needed that i got a message from a fan i don't want to embarrass him by saying but he came up to me at our tailgate and said the pandemic and me losing my job was one of the hardest things that ever happened to me. One of the few things that put a smile on my face was listening to you and Kurt record. I appreciate you guys keep that you kept recording all through it. I'll never forget that. If nothing ever happens other than free booze and that comment from this <laughs> podcast, it was, it was totally worth it. it, was worth it yeah. That meant point I'm trying to make. That's what people are yearning for. They actually want the, intelligent engagement i know you can't you can't turn the titanic around that is the media i'm not putting that on you please don't take it like that no 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 i i, but, I, but I you understand like you're a part of it so like it's impossible I can stand for in, well, okay. it's weird because i can stand in for both sides of it like i've got a foot in the small 
small, localized, hyper-communal, really intense experience with each other about something we love. And I've got a foot in this like ESPN radio world where I've got to do, I've got to play the game. Okay. And, and it's a, they're two very different, like literal sciences. They're different, they're different sciences. So, and and then, I don't know how you, I don't know how you make, again, this is, this is what's unanswerable because, and this is where Silicon Valley and tech companies have to have some responsibility and like literally crawling down our brain stems with, with engagement. And like, we have to be able to figure out a way if, if we can't talk about the future of that model and not talk about how it's delivered to people. Like you have, there has to sure. be a conversation. And that's really complicated. We've all, There's we've all seen the social dilemma. Like yeah, I yeah. get it, but like, I think, and maybe I'm a glass half full to a, to in a stupid way. I don't know, but like I feel like we could flip it and turn it in, into a positive if we steered into the stuff. And like as as example, fans. Again, this is the fan segment. Um, so in your last podcast, uh, you you talked about you know you, you I obviously appreciate you giving a shout out to the podcast, and then you're like, yeah, so we're gonna talk about iowa and their crappy offense then you do the brain laugh <laughs> you know like it, 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 yeah that one right there isn't it just my, it, i can't change the way i laugh <laughs> point point i'm trying to make is iowa fans know our offense is bad it's it, we, we we're not dumb like fan bases can accept that you call them out or their team out is what i should say on something that needs help you know that's doing poorly we we almost you know that's about you know that's about you specifically though right like i do but it, okay, it right, isn't yeah. about me <laughs> it isn't about me every time you talk about iowa and wisconsin you know like it so well, but don't is, don't i don't i have 25 years of my own history with wisconsin though i can't speak on that specifically but 39 point, 30, 39 years actually i'm way older than that <laughs> the point the point i'm trying to make is it, we understand, like, like I'm, I'll, I'll use Iowa as an example. I hate doing that every time, but like, we, we understand Iowa needs. Iowa fans want the pa- the vertical passing attack <laughs> to improve more than anybody. Trust me, we know that. But what it seems like that happens is that all of the time is spent talking about how bad Iowa's offense is. Very little time is spent talking about the defense, the special teams, how they win the turnover battle every year. It's not a that's a formula. You talk about a formula. That's a formula. I know the Iowa coaches taking care of the football and forcing turnovers. Like you talked in the podcast, they can't rely on that brother. They've been relying on that forever. Like it, 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 it's not net plus every single game. Our, my point I'm trying to make is like, it sure seems like a lot of times we linger on the negative without the positive. That's what incites the rage from fan base. Well, I mean, that's a, a, a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of reviews because that sounds really uh, self-defeating, but I get plenty of reviews that are like, why are you so negative all the time? And some of it is like my sarcastic sense of humor and snarky like cynicism where I like to go back at fans. And, and maybe that's not, as I'm learning in marriage, always not called for. <laughs> at, at specific times, you need to learn to just keep that one in the back pocket. You're, you don't, you're wrong a lot. You're wrong a lot in your marriage too. All the time, dude. All the time. It's amazing how that works out. Um, I, <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. It's the damn and, I, and you know what's um, crazy? I don't know what the deal is, but seeing your big face on my screen and talking to you, I get your sarcasm more in this form <laughs> than I do on your podcast. I can't explain it. 
It's well, crazy. I, well th- this is a uh, god. If you want to start talking about like more more things that affect our world, like the video, no. the video, the video element element is so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so visceral. And that's again, this goes back to engagement and clicks and all that other BS. But I, I go, going back to sort of your original point and kind of wrapping up, I, I have always been, and I'm literally walking around Nashville pitching ideas to people about doing like analog gatherings. Like I want to be with people in public talking about things we care about. Now um, I'm really, in, I'm yep. really, in, I'm really interested in other things than sports. Like my daughter was born in October of 16, and I am very interested in my local community's politics and what goes on in my community. I think the national stuff is interesting, but it gets way overblown. But in my community, I care deeply about a lot of stuff. I would love to have a show where we can talk about like the stupidest, most mundane bills in the history of Nashville, Tennessee politics. But I want to do it in person. I want to do it with people where we can disagree, where we can have different opinions, where you can say something and screw up. Heaven forbid you screw up something and then change your opinion. Holy shit, your opinion changed. Right. And like not feel like Twitter got you on it. And that and is, that's the, a, that's a new, that's a I new place. We all want to be there, but it's a new place because there's no real great media way to put it in front of people. We've well, got to create it for ourselves and you guys are doing it, for example, too. Thanks. I mean, it's right in front of us. The, the way to do it is social media. It's just as in typical human form, we're, we're screwing it all up the way we're doing it. But, and I don't want to go down the whole, you know, go, go out on that branch, but the old saying that's older than definitely anybody on this show is all politics is local that's what we're talking about what you're talking about and what with a weird way we're trying to do on our podcast just just focus you know focus on on the smaller stuff niches work podcasts work when they are even further niched if that's a word that's not even a word is that a word yeah Yeah. like you are you are more successful when you are more niche in a podcast because people care you find the one thing people care about and you just go a mile deep on that subject. And that works, but it doesn't, it doesn't work in, in like cable. I can't even tell you the last time I watched cable news. Like I, there's nothing on there of merit on any channel. And so it's not, it's that's because the delivery mechanism is FUBAR, not the actual stories. We have to be better about delivering the stories in the right way. So the answer, Braden, is niche to word. It is now (laughs) moving on to segment four. Big, we're calling this Big West equals Big Lazy. So one of the, Ooh. and I can even hear half of I already, our. I already know where you're going. <laughs> okay, I can even hear half of our fan base cringing because they feel like we're too Big West centric. We're both Big West guys. But no, the Big Ten West is not an elite division. It has no blue bloods. But top to bottom, it's a very solid division. If you would, if you watch, it's, you know, sorry, just going to use it as an example because it's easy. If you watch ESPN, you would think it's the worst division in college football. Greek, go ahead yeah. and start. Yeah. By the way, I, I want to do a correction. There is one blue blood, the Big Ten West. I, I don't want Nebraska fans burning burning the place down, but um, For, former blue blood. Ooh. Uh, hey Nebraska fans, that was Braden Gall uh, at Braden Gall on Twitter. Um, some of the best fans in the history of college football. No players within six hours. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, point point I'm trying to make. This kind of ties in with above I'm not saying the Big Ten West is an elite division, okay? There isn't an elite team in there right now. Maybe one or two that have the potential, but it's, it, it's not there. Okay, so I, every Big Ten West fan that I have spoke to, and we speak through a lot in the podcast, would agree with what I just said. However, 
what gets annoying is that it, it is looked at like it is this middling group of five division. There, to me, the the in rank and file, SEC West number one, Big Ten East number two, SEC East number three. Okay, and I'm going to say it, Big Ten West number four. Now, as early as as recent as three years ago, the Big Ten or the SEC East, the Big Ten West were very close, and then Georgia went nuclear. Okay, so that that's changed now. They've they've moved the game up, but like, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, the entire Pac-12, North and South, the 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 ACC, Atlantic, and Coastal, and it's tougher with the Big Twelve because it's an entire conference. So I understand that, but if if you broke out the big 12 into two divisions, you would have the one with Oklahoma and the one with not. And by the, the old, way, the old North, right. And, and okay. Point I'm trying to make is I'm not saying the big 10 West is the best division, but it's damn good. And certainly not, not worthy of receiving the vitriol vitriol that it gets <laughs> on certain podcasts I, and across. I, I want you to know uh, the vitriol, now that you understand my sense of humor more, is exclusively reserved for you, just so you know. I just <laughs> okay. want you to know that. You're appealing I, to my ego. I appreciate but, but again, this, this truly, like, I, again, I can only speak for myself because I grew, up, I grew up having to watch my team always. And, like, I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Nashville Predators fan. Like I have, other than being a Packers fan, which is like the one team I have. I was gonna say you win. should be a Vikings fan, is what you should be. Right, right, exactly. If I had been a Vikings fan, I'd have the I'd have the royal freaking flush of like just <laughs> god awful, like let you down at the worst possible moments. Like, and and that is just again, I, I came to my opinions about how good Iowa is or whatever or Wisconsin or how good Pat Fitzgerald is. Like I think the Big Ten West has got really good coaches. I don't think they have good enough players to be at the top tier, but I think they've got really good coaches. And that's a, that's a total broad brush. Like I'm, I'm acknowledging that that's a complete broad brush over time, not like this one team in this one year, right? Because there's been a couple of times where the ACC had some really deep, like top four or five teams where Clemson's winning a national title. Louisville has a Heisman Trophy winner. NC State's pretty solid. Like that's a better division than the Big Ten West, but that's just that one year. Like that's not a every year thing. I think based on historical data and basically money, the two SEC divisions, the Big Ten East, are always going to be better than almost everybody else in general. Everybody else is fighting and scrapping and clawing to be number four. Like who, on any given year, it's going to change. So like one time, if it's Pete Carroll at USC, well, you know, the Pac-12 South, let's say in theory, Pete Carroll's there and they're, they're playing like they're a dominant force. Well, then that may be the best. Well, when Clemson's really good, maybe that one's the best. When, when Wisconsin's got Russell Wilson, maybe the Big Ten is the best. Like, I think there's – everyone else is about the same. Big Ten has the most money. Pac-12 is not keeping players home. ACC has the fewest fans of anybody by a large margin. Right. I, the Big 12's pretty good. The Big 12's actually pretty good. Like, so yeah, I, don't I mean, Iowa State, hasn't, Iowa State hasn't beat Iowa since before any of my kids were born, but whatever. <laughs> but, you know, but, but that's what I – that was what I was said. Just, I was just don't catch, I was, don't catch the punt. Don't catch the punt. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, that was a no. Catch the punt. Just just don't catch it well. <laughs> but like um, another thing with this. Okay, there's a lot of stuff. People know that this is one. This is one of my passions. This is this is You're what good. 
This is what enrages. Some, I'm going to have to go get my children at some point, though. So. Okay, this is what enrages my my uh, uh, the Big Ten East fans, Penn State fans. But like to me, this is the compelling football. Alabama's always winning. Ohio State is always winning. Georgia's always winning. It's not that compelling. There is compelling football in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa have all won the division twice in the past six years, seven years, or whatever it is. That's compelling to me. Another thing I'd like to point out, uh, Stoops goes to Kentucky. How does he start winning? By playing Iowa and Wisconsin brand of football. Yeah. Utah, the most consistent team in the Pac-12. What type of offense do they run? Iowa and Wisconsin football. That you think, football. You think Utah? You think Andy Ludwig's offensive scheme is the it's, same? As... It's evolved recently, but okay. it's a program-based. That coaching tree very close to Kirk Ferentz, right? Line, line of scrimmage, line of scrimmage, trench warfare. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Those are winning in. And by the way, and I want to puke before I say this. Bro, Iowa State, same thing. No, running the ball, playing defense. Those are the three most consistent teams in the SEC down from the Blue Bloods. They're playing Big Ten West, a.k.a. Wisconsin, Iowa. And I would throw Minnesota in there now, too. They're playing that brand of football. It's good football, okay? Well, you don't have to score 44 points. And well, there you go. Points, points per game. P- points per play. Points per play. <laughs> My gosh. Points per play. I get it. It's a. I've never used points per play. I've never used points per sure. play on on a podcast. But I'm but a, I'm, a yard, I'm a yards per play. Uh, yards yards hard, per though. play. Whatever. I'm a yards per play. Points yards per play. play diehard. But well, you, but here but here's the thing. You, you're what's you again. You can't start this this conversation about attention and talking about and the sizzle and all this stuff and then say like yeah but we're going to run five yards a play like you can't you can't have like I agree with you I love defensive football I love Utah I love Mark Stoops I love Kirk France brand of football I no you don't up. no you don't no you do not Braden I don't I There's don't a, believe that a, I, that's this fine. Is the, that's fine this is the Anchorman this is the difference I don't, no, this I is don't the, believe you <laughs> that, that's Amador, 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 down into my belly. Um, so here, here's the, but here's the thing. Like this is this is where I have to be. Like, there's there's two conversations. There is what do I enjoy? What do I like? What do I find entertaining personally? And who do I think is competing for a championship? Kentucky is not even a top five team in the SEC. But they're good. They're they good are. Team. They are. No, they are very good. I am. I know. Like, I I already said that. Just like the group of five. I love watching Houston and SMU. I love watching those programs. But there's a difference between in, me personally enjoying that football and then also talking about, like, well, do they belong in the playoff or are they this or are they that? Like, those are two separate conversations. And, and so do I think that the Big Ten's West sizzle is lacking in some way, shape, or form? You've already said on the show that Wisconsin and Iowa fans would like to throw the football past 10 yards. Correct. They would like to do that. And, and when you modernize the offense a little bit, you'll be more mass appeal. We can argue that's if that's it. good or bad or no, right or good. wrong. I or, get it. Like, you can argue with, with, like, again, like you and I can disagree on a lot of things, and that's, I'm totally fine with that. That's the part of my job that I'm totally fine with. It is about how I came to those opinions that, that rubs me the wrong way. Not from you, but, like, so, and, again, this is where I need to get off Twitter. But when people are like, oh, this guy, he lives in Nashville. He's a, he said something positive about one team and negative about He must be X. And I'm like, no, you don't know anything about me. You don't I, know, you don't I, know I, that I was born in Madison, Wisconsin, third generation Dane County, and grew up on Big Ten football 
and have lived everywhere my entire life. I didn't give a shit about Tennessee until I moved here in 19, when I was like 17. I went to school. I was betting on Wisconsin-Ohio State games you know, in college because I was the only guy in my fraternity watching Big Ten football. Okay. And, and through my career and analysis, obviously I'm trying to evolve at this point, but through my career I've been like, you know, what, what is it that's going to get us sell us magazines? It's, it's not predictions. It's not covers. It's just doing the best job we can to be accurate. And the SEC is the best conference that has the best players. It doesn't mean it's the most entertaining football for everyone out there. It's not like there's, there's space for all of it, I guess, is my point now. Like there's just room for us to love everything. And the problem is, is how do we get enough people to love all of that stuff? And can oh. I do a better job? Can I do a better job covering Purdue's defensive scheme? Absolutely. hundred percent. Can I do a better job of covering just, Oregon State's offense? Yes. Can I do a better job of covering Missouri's offense? I the answer is yes to all of that. I just want you – I want – I don't want to – let me – You're not going to offend me. You're not going to offend me. I already kind of said it. I, I just want you to care as much about the quarterback battle in Madison as you do in, in Columbia, I South do, Carolina. You, and, you, don't and think, I, you don't think I get text I messages every day from my dad about okay. the quarterback battle? And then get, and, and one last thing on this segment, and then we'll move on to the last. We'll wrap it up. Hey, we're having fun. We're going long, but we're having That's fun. Good. So this has been something that has literally been this, – this maybe bored out the, the height of my anger to, to you. So <laughs> – and and I just want to preface this by saying I've come a long way with Nebraska fans. There was a point where my relationship <laughs> with Nebraska fans was uh, not healthy, but it's much better now because I've gotten to know the good Nebraska fans. Okay, so this isn't they're awesome. A, this isn't a negative shout out to Nebraska because I didn't view this as pro Nebraska. I viewed this as anti Big Ten West. Okay, around summer of 2019. You were, it was a podcast. Maybe that was back in Mitch Light. I had to go back and look because I, I was. Might have been was, Mitch, yeah. Yep. So you're like kind of breaking down the Big Ten West. I, again, got the feeling you're like, oh, God, when is this segment over? I hate talking about this freaking division. And, you're, and at the end, you go, eh, it doesn't matter. Once Scott Frost gets his guys, he'll run through the Big Ten oh, West every year. Oh, you, hey, you can hold me accountable on Scott Frost. Dude, okay. you want to. But the thought process was, this is such a shitty division with shitty coaches and shitty players. All it takes is a young, cool, hip coach to come in with recruits, and they're going to run ruck shot all over this crappy, slow, thick-ankled Big Ten West <laughs> conference. And what I think Scott Frost, and I might even say Braden Gall figured out, there's good football, there's something to be said about winning the line of scrimmage, and that's why the Big Ten West is a so let me. So let me ask you honest question. Do you really believe that I don't think that those are like that Barry Alvarez and Paul Christ and Kirk Ferentz and Pat Fitzgerald and like, you know, I'm not going to include Danny Hope in this conversation, but I'll, we'll go back to Joe Tiller, like whatever. Do you really believe like that? I, in my heart, believe that they're not good. Yes. That's what I believe. Well, I can't, I can't argue with you on that one. Cause it's just, it's just not true. Now okay. what I said, what I said, and I don't know. Exactly that's why the, we have you on the podcast. No, these that's are true. The questions I want to ask. I mean, Kurt Ferentz is one of the greatest football coaches of all time. Like, I don't like to me, that's like a no brainer. All right, let's wrap this up. We're good here. I'm good now. <laughs> no, I, I don't know exactly what conversation you're, you're specifically referencing, but I do know what I said about Scott Frost sort of over and over again when he was hired, which is if the program with the most money and the most fan support and the most resources also has the best players and out recruits everybody in that division, 
with a coach that we, we clearly at the time believed in after his 12 and 0 undefeated season at UCF, then that's a program that can win that division over and over and over again, the way Clemson did in the Atlantic. And, and that is a hundred percent what I said. It is 100% wrong. <laughs> there is no, he, but he, he's just not been good enough. He hasn't been good but enough. He didn't develop uh, and, a quarterback. And, he didn't recruit at the saying. highest level. Like that's it. And that's what I'm saying. It's not a knock on Scott Frost. I believe, honestly, this is my take. One of the worst divisions for Scott Frost to break himself into in the, in the power five is the big 10 West because it's a good team that plays physical ball every week. So his style of offense and defense did not meld. That's why they've, they've, they've trashed so much stuff. They're basically switching to a four, three now because they can't get the three, four to work. Their their defense last year was, was pretty damn good. It was 56. It was like 56. I mean, major, major. It was six in the big 10 West. We were surprised looking back. It was not nearly as good as it seemed. Six in the Big Ten West, Braden. How many people? Because the Big Ten West has, record this, really good defensive coaches and teams. Okay. There's no argument. Like, I'm not arguing. I've never argued that. I'm not saying you're not arguing. I'm not saying you're not arguing. I'm saying I don't feel like it's talked about. Well, you've actually talked about Jim Leonard a lot, so I, I take that back. Phil Parker is a Phil Parker is a freaking wizard. Pat Fitzgerald typically is a is a wizard. They obviously lost their deep freaking the triumvirate that Purdue did. Minnesota took it like defense does matter. Can I add it, that Ryan Walters? Had a Ryan Walters too at, at Illinois. He did Illinois finished above Nebraska in defensive ranking. So I, I I'm done with it now. But but you, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> So, do, okay, moving do. on to our... Do we, do we feel better? Do we, all, do we all feel better? I do feel better. All I right, do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Brady. So, moving on to our last segment that's called Old Man Correctly Yells at Cloud. Big Kurt and Jeffrey the Great were correct that the transfer portal and name image likeness would have issues. Brayden was not. Not my word. Sorry, Brayden. Here's my <laughs> take real quick on TP and the NIL. I'll just give an example for the transfer portal. Uh, Daniel Barker, not a highly recruited guy, goes to Illinois, developed him. He's, he's, he is an NFL tight end. He certainly needs to work on his blocking. Leaves Illinois, goes to Michigan State. Guess who Illinois plays this year? Michigan State. So this guy that we invested all this, this uh, <laughs> these resources into, I guarantee you he will score a touchdown against Illinois this year. That pisses yep. me off. There are other examples I could use that won't. NIL, I just always felt it was going to make the – the rich, richer, the poor, poorer. I feel like that's playing out. Let's just take like Texas for an example. Every one of their offensive linemen gets 50 grand a year from whoever the hell it is. How can TCU, Texas Tech, com- compete against that? I feel like a problem in college football is there's too much disparity between the haves and have-nots. I'd like to see it go the other way. And I feel like NIL is is impeding that progress. Jeff, the great, what say you? And so in sales. Kurt and I are both in sales. You learn to butter up a customer before you chop them down. So I'm going to, I'm going to apply that technique here. Um, I give you credit. And I, I mean this with, with no sarcasm whatsoever on the last podcast, you admitted that you were wrong about NIL. Nobody admits that they're wrong on air or on a podcast. Honestly, I want to give you a, a shout out for that. I very much appreciated that. Um, so you admitted about that the about the size of the whole the thing. The size right? of yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you admitted that it was bigger than what you thought it would be. Now here's the 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 old man yelling at cloud part. I called it. So did Kurt. 
we, we called it, we have podcasts. We have the receipts to show that the, the potential of this thing was ginormous. And like, you know, and not, not to sound arrogant, but like maybe it's my, my time in the business world where it's like, but, but there's people that can make money off of this. Right. So right. of course it's going to be, a, this is a, we're, we're talking a, a TV deal in the b- 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 billions that the big yeah. 10 is going to sign here. Of course, that's going to trickle down to NIL when people understand that, yes, the left guard is very important to your football program and, and upping the and and then it, it kind of folds into the transfer portal that we call the TP because you need TP when things are full of shit. Yeah, that that's that, true. And, and what we were told is, of course, you have to let these kids trans leave the coaches leave. So they, so, so, so should they, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I believe that, that both entities should exist. Okay. I want to make that, 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 uh, um, NIL and transfer portal should exist, but there was a lack of acknowledgement by media. And I, again, put you in this, you were just like, well, what negative could come out of this? Are you, are you kidding me? There's humans involved. Well, I would need to, I, be I, negative. I, like, like we have kids. You're, making... you're, you're ascribing a lot of, of, of takes and emotions into me. Like, I don't ever remember thinking that. Sorry, any about, rule the, the, sorry about the emotions. I didn't mean to get emotional. No, no, no. I just, what I'm, what I mean is I don't think I've ever remembered on it. Like, honestly, thinking back through my own experiences in, in my life <laughs> that I don't think I've ever thought like, yeah, the NCAA is going to make a really awesome rule for all the kids. Like that's never happened. I've no. never felt that way. No. Now, now to say like, hey, I didn't realize that the dollar figures would be way bigger on this. And what's, what's, what's ironic about that is it's, it's the capitalist and, the, and my, own, my own naivete that, that caused me to think that. Because as a capitalist, I can't understand god-awful business decisions. And, and small companies throwing millions of dollars at 16 year old kids that's what they do brother with, with 40 percent hit rates in terms of development and, right. pr- and projection like that is terrible business of it's course not, it is so terrible I, business is the norm brain right that's <laughs> the norm well i don't know there's some there's some shrewd ass people running big companies in this country and they do not No, there's shrewd ass people running smaller companies that, that's that's probably true the, the point is, is part, what, what I, the reason I was so wrong about that was that I assumed that smart ROI and business like thinking was going to dictate that. And I was so wrong on that. This that of is, course, these people are going to throw millions of dollars and waste their money on a bunch of kids who they have no clue if they're going to be good or not. They've got this, a guess and a percentage is, and that's it. This is business wrapped with heart because that's yeah, how much they yeah, care about their yeah, that that was sitting there yeah, right in front of us yeah. that me and the other old man yelling at the cloud on the podcast talking with about big Kurt, we 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 called it we 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 were like this has so much crazy potential the next level up and you guys kind of touched on it there's going to be breach of contracts there's going to be cu- customers coming at 19 year old kids when they've gone to their second school it's gonna get ugly and and i'm not saying we should put the ketchup back in the bottle because we all know that's impossible but to not acknowledge right from the get-go that that this was the potential was mind-boggling to us well so what you're what you're trying to get me to say is to make me feel bad about myself that (laughs) i was stupid and that i was wrong about something that i should have seen okay mission accomplished i feel all of those things now what do we do 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You because I, I like, we got to play. Want, okay. First of all, I'm, we gotta we gotta move the. Re- I know this is re- move well, the recruiting deadline back. That was stupid. We should. Well, what I let me just I'll just wrap all of this up into right. one thing. College football is my favorite thing in all of sports. Has been since I was five years old. It is now at thirty nine. Every single league, every single game, I watch all of them. I love them all so much. I don't give a shit if my alma mater wins or loses because I am dead inside because I like all of it. I like all of it, and the media has done that to me. And what I want is for the health of the game to be at its best and and for the players to be treated as as best as possible, for the game to be full of integrity and all this other stuff. And I just some of that's not reality. Some of that's me being naive. Some of that is just Pollyannish thinking. But – can't, like, are we ever going to get back to 1993 version of football that I grew up on in a, in a modern world of technology, money and resources? And I just don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But what I can do is I can watch Oregon State and Fresno State on a Thursday night and be like, that was fun. And then and then hopefully offer some piece of analysis that hopefully is insightful and not stupid and wrong, as you have pointed out. That no, I and I'm sorry. But like, but like, but like. The Bulls, Bulls count in the in the record, Braden. I don't know. If I, you know I'm, you're never. You are not going to change they, my mind on this they, one. They count not. and they count on the total record. If you if you if you go if you go nine and three and you win your bowl, you finish ten and three. That that's that's a fact. You can't deny that, correct? No, but I can put context around it. And and like Drake Stoops caught a touchdown pass in front of his dad when Bob Stoops coached that that bowl game. Pretty cool. You, you, did you watch it? It's the, the, you, you, games watch, are, you don't watch the Bulls, Braden, man. No, you, no, like, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Bowl games are cool. Bowl games are fun. Group of five games are fun. I love all of this stuff. I, what I don't like is putting too much meaning into it. That's my issue. Like, I, I think, like, they're like, like going to a spring game. N- Nebraska fans, 70,000 Nebraska fans going to a spring game and paying money to go to that spring game, in my head, capitalistically, is like taking a shower and shaving to like, go have some happy time by yourself. I don't, I don't want to use the word, but like, happy you know time. I, mean? okay. I don't know what I'm trying to, I'm trying to, <laughs> Whoa. How many bourbons have you had? How many but, bourbons have you had? But like, why would you not take your kids to a spring football game right. and, and cook out some freaking barbecue and have a couple of beers, see your buddies from college and enjoy yourself and enjoy walking around on the streets you went to college on and, like, I, it, it, see, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I can still appreciate the value of that experience and then be like, yeah, it's still a spring game. That doesn't mean anything for your team moving forward when I'm trying to project how many wins you're going to have this year. Those are two totally different things. And the bowl game. I played in two bowl games. They mattered. The, the 1996 Alamo Bowl, when we trashed Texas Tech, gave us momentum going into 97. I was there. I felt it, man. I felt it. Uh, no, no. You're, we destroyed I Byron Hansbard. I was Byron <laughs> Hansbard in in practice, uh, you know, like it, it, the defense that was dude, ready to go. Freaking it! It that like, dude was great. That dude was really tough to tackle in the open field. That's a that's, not that. That's, yeah, I used to be quick. I'm very slow. Now. No, what, but, but like I'm not that, suggesting that, that, that game. We we were gearing for that game, Braden. You're not like going to change it, my mind on this one because there's evidence. You're not, well, still, you're not going to change my mind either. I, and that's <laughs> and guess what? We can still have a cocktail. I understand. Still, still be buddies. I just think that there's, there's mountains of data to tell you that a win in a bowl game doesn't equal more wins the next year or a loss in a bowl game doesn't equal losses. There's in fact, Iowa, I want to say 
Wasn't Iowa embarrassed in a bowl game before they almost went to the playoff just a couple years no, ago? No, it was the year they went to the playoff. Weren't they embarrassed by Tennessee the year before? They were t- like almost, what were they, but, 11 and but, 0 or 10? But like, that bowl game and how that year finished uh, inspired the coaches to do something different. So that bowl game did have merit. Wow. They, 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 they made changes. You're, 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 digging, you're digging pretty deep there, but I appreciate it. <laughs> That's not deep. I'm an Iowa fan. I just know this stuff. So, all right. Okay. Gotta, let's, at some point, we just got to wrap it up. Yeah, I got to. I got to order pizza yeah, and go wrap, pick up my kids. <laughs> let's wrap it up. So, I want to say, Braden, I learned a lot about you. Hopefully, you learned a lot yeah. about us. I feel like, much like politics, if you get two people with opposite views in a room and you talk it out, you probably find your help. Amador help. Amador help. No, eight, then, eight, that is the most important thing anyone said on this entire podcast. Probably. That's Kurt's, okay. that's Kurt's motive. He doesn't say much, but he, he hits home when he does. So, Braden, thank you very much for being a guest on the Eyes on Big podcast. And appreciate you being on, man. Now, Let me, one, more, one more thing, and then you can finish off. But uh, people close to me, buddies, brothers, cousins, I, I, I joked on our last podcast, you're the – you're the the Riddler to my Batman, you know. Like I, I've, I'm honored. <laughs> Joker, I don't know. It depends on what you want to no, pick. It's, but it's like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, like having you on is awesome. Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna admit publicly, I like you more now than I did an hour and a half ago, and that's a good thing. That's what small that's victory, what baby. Yeah, that's victory. what we small want. Victory. And but. What I appreciate now, now most, don't misrepresent now don't misrepresent ever again my stance on automatic bids okay let's just let's just oh let's just, god just, that's a just, whole other segment just don't just don't misrepresent you know, why don't you invite me, me on your podcast me. why don't you invite me on your podcast and we'll talk about that exact topic <laughs> some other time but I, I but, heard I heard you misrepresenting me more than one occasion more okay. than one occasion I'll do my best uh, but anyways what I wanted to say is what I dislike the most about humans is when they say something and then they don't back it up. You backed it up by coming on to the podcast today. Uh, guy Ryan Burns with Gopher Illustrated, awesome follow for Gopher stuff. He put stuff out on Iowa. He came onto our podcast and we battled it out. I respect that so much more when somebody comes on to do it. That that's a that's a sign of manhood, if I can use that 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 saying here. So I just want to give you props. I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, listen. Listen, all you got to do is send me some brown water and I'll show up anywhere. Like, it's not a no, no, no. Seriously, like we were joking about this before the show, but the reason I call you out or poke the bear, whatever it is on our show is because I enjoy the interaction, because I enjoy the product, because I think I know what you're talking about. Like I do. I the, the hundreds of thousands of people that have things to say that I'm just like, this is absurd and ridiculous. And you just don't like it's not worth you can't you can't sift through all of it. So. Take it as a compliment that we that we like to, to, to create beef with, with the Eyes on Big Ten podcast, all right? Thanks again, Braden. And this has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon.